You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 203, Parenting Through Different Stages. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I want to invite you to get on a Zoom call with me, just you and me, for about 45 minutes. And the reason for this Zoom call would be for me to help you get clear on what you want, how you want to show up as a mom, then to understand the hidden challenges that are sabotaging your success, and finally, to get clarity on what needs to change. The call is completely free, and there's no obligation to sign up for ongoing coaching with me. If you want to hear about my coaching program and what it would look like to work together, I'm more than happy to talk to you about that at the end of the call. But the main purpose, as I said, is to get clear on what you want, what's in your way, and how to get there. I only have a limited number of spots each week, and you can request one by going to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini, M-I-N-I. So today we are wrapping up my greatest hit series from all of my guest interviews over the past four years with four amazing women, Claire Lerner, Stephanie Haynes, Allison Katie, and Amy Kelly. And the title of today's episode is Parenting Through Different Stages, because three out of the four guests focus on a particular age of child. So today you're going to hear advice on raising younger kids, middle schoolers, and kids getting ready for college. As a reminder, two lucky listeners who leave reviews of this podcast during the month of June will win their choice of books written by one of my guests. It's a triple win for you, for me, and for my guests. So when this podcast airs, there will only be three days left of June to enter. So please go leave your review today, and I thank you in advance. Our first clip today is from episode 160 with Claire Lerner, a licensed clinical social worker and the author of Why Is My Child in Charge? A Roadmap to End Power Struggles, Increase Cooperation, and Find Joy in Parenting Young Children. In this clip, Claire talks about focusing on what you have control over as a mom and the strategy of giving kids two great choices. Often, again, when I'm stepping back and really trying to figure out what is the dynamic here that's just not working, and often it's because all of the parents' energy is going towards trying to get their child to change their mind or change their behavior, to be like, oh, you know, it really would be a good idea to put the iPad away and do more edifying things for my brain and my body. Or yeah, I should lie in bed and go to sleep because otherwise I'm going to be tired tomorrow for camp. Like what parents do is they bribe, they threaten, they offer a reward, they try and use logic, they use all of these tactics But if you think about it, they're all dependent on the child eventually saying, okay, Mm -hmm. like I'll accept that reward or, oh, I don't like that threat. So maybe I will stay in bed. Mm -hmm. But 
at the end of the day, the outcome is still in your child's hands. So what happens when this happens? And this is a very recent example. And I have so many of them. But so a mom was working, she's working at home and the dad was watching the four-year-old and they had said, you can't interfere with mommy's Zoom call. You need to stay downstairs. Mm -hmm. So what does she do? She starts to like edge herself up the steps backwards, like staring down her dad. And he's going, Miranda, remember, if you go up and bother mommy, then you're not going to get any TV later today. And she has that mischievous grin that like Mm -hmm. really, you know, but just drive parents completely insane. And she's creeping up the steps and the dad is pouring it on with more threats. And she eventually looks at him and says, I don't care about TV later today. And she runs right up and barges into the mom's room. Now the mom is going ballistic and it's just an epic meltdown on Mm -hmm. everybody's part. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that you can see how using threats, bribe rewards, what happens when your child's like, don't care about it. So the reframe is what you do control is yourself and the situation. So the redo for this family was Miranda. I know it's really, really hard to have mommy at home and not be able to see her. Totally get it. That's really tough. But our rule is when mommy's on a call, we can't interrupt her. So you have two great choices. You can stay down here and we can play in this playroom. And if you have a hard time doing that, then we'll put a gate up. Mr. Gate will help you follow the rule. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's, totally fine. If you don't like it, I'm not, we're not asking you to like the rule. We completely understand why you wouldn't like this rule, but that's a mommy daddy job. And right now mommy needs to do her job. And this is our job is to play down here and let mommy do her work. So once you stop trying to change, get your child to change her mind or her behavior and focus on what can I do to implement this limit First of all, it's much more effective. And the most important thing is that it enables you to stay calm and loving. Mm. That is what we are all angling for, right? Is not being that parent at the end of the day who just feels like all they've done is yell and screamed and bribed and threatened their kids to get them to quote unquote cooperate. Right. If you start to see it as that's my job to tell my child what her two great choices are with one choice is she does the right thing. She agrees to stay downstairs and play with her dad and respect the rule. But if she has a hard time doing that, option two is something the parent can control to ensure the limit is implemented because it's when the parent starts to feel out of control, like their child is driving the car and they have lost their ability to um, scaffold the family life in the way that they know is important for everybody is when they start to lose it. And that is what's detrimental to kids. Limits are not detrimental to kids. So I know I'm I'm going on and on, but the thing that reminds me to to note, because it's another one of these things that I think uh, a mindset that really gets parents caught is that It's not love or limits. Like often when I'm talking to parents, I realize at a base level, they either feel like they're loving their kids, they're playing, they're engaging, they're eating, they're laughing, or they're setting a limit. 
and that they're like two completely different things when limits are just a part of being a loving parent. And there is a way to do it if you focus on controlling yourself as opposed to trying to control your child. Our next clip is from episode 170 with Stephanie Haynes, an education coach and consultant and author of the book, College is Not Mandatory, A Parent's Guide to Navigating the Options Available to Our Kids After High School. In this clip, Stephanie shares about the reason she wrote her book. When I first started teaching, um, even when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 1987, so I'm old. But the idea then was college was something, if you needed to go, you went, but if you didn't need to, because you weren't going to have a particular career that needed it, you didn't, and you were going to be fine. Five years later, when I stepped into the classroom for the first time, there was still that, 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 that discussion was still going on. Kids could graduate. It was going to be fine. They could have job career skills, you know, in high school is fine. But as the culture changed to start focusing more on white collar jobs versus blue collar jobs, Students started thinking and parents started thinking that the best way for their child to make it out of their particular current living situation was to go to college, to get that job, to get that higher income level. And for a while, I think that was very true. And what happened is colleges started saying to high schools, hey, those kids are coming unprepared. They don't have the right education level we need them to have. You need to change what you do. So we did. And I remember very specifically getting communications going, these are things that we need your kids to know before they can get here. That was in the early 90s, right? Up until the early 2000s. And everything shifted in those first 10 years that I was teaching. It went from, you could probably just be fine graduating high school and moving on to maybe a trade school or maybe getting some career training, but you could have multiple of jobs and be fine to know it's college is the only option. If you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. When I stepped back into the classroom in 2017, there was a frenzy. Parents had been told for the last 10, 15 years, if your child doesn't go to school, they're not going to be successful. That was the culture. That is our culture. That was the dynamic that was presented. And nobody really stopped to question it until we had those kids, those graduates going, wait, you told me to go to college. You told me to get these student loans. And now these student loans are really destroying my life. 20 Mm. years to pay off this college. What is wrong? This is not right. And people started thinking about college in a little bit different, but no one knew what else was out there because all of the other options had been stigmatized. Think about it. If you knew a friend who was going to go off to cosmetology school, it's because they couldn't make it in real school. If they were going off to a community college because they couldn't get into a big school, right? That was the stigma that was developed. And that was part of marketing and branding and all kinds of things in the way our culture developed. No disrespect to the colleges and universities who can very much do a good job helping kids prepare for particular careers, but not every career. Then you add in the college experience, which, you know, when we went, there was quite a lot of fun. But today there's a lot of extra stuff thrown in. My daughter recently graduated from University of Missouri and she's now happily in cosmetology school. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But the idea was in her college experience, so they have what they call silly week. The first week of school, everybody drinks and parties the entire week because (laughs) it doesn't really matter. The school class doesn't matter because the teachers are just giving going over the syllabus. So there's no homework, there's no assignments, no nothing. And, you know, okay, but we're paying tens of thousands of dollars for our kids to have a high level education. And what are we getting as a result? One, most of the time now they're getting theoretical knowledge, not necessarily experiential, although with internships, it can be, but there's a gluttony of college degrees 
And it's hard to find a job now. It's very hard to find a job that pays what you think you're supposed to make based on the money you just took out in loans to be able to get the education you needed to get. So, so that's where we're at in terms of in terms of the whole college experience. There is a nostalgia attached to that. You know, if if we've gone to college, remember how we remember how great it was. We went to a big school, remember maybe sporting events, remember this great feeling of freedom and fun and wonder and yes. Talk to me about this because this is where I'm getting stuck. (laughs) Yeah. We, we, we we think about all of that, right? So think through the result of all of that. When you look at back at the investment that you got, that you made into that university for the amount of time investment and the amount of financial investment you made, would you be willing to pay that exact same amount plus you know, inflation that we have. So your child could have that same experience and possibly follow that same path of maybe not even staying in the career that you have, maybe not yet, maybe not even getting the training they really need. Maybe now having to get that master's degree, which means staying for a fifth and maybe sixth year, you know, what is that worth that investment? And that's a values clarification question, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not a right or wrong. It's a values thing. But what we're doing is we're imposing, and I don't mean in a negative way, but we're projecting that image onto our children. And that may or may not be their perspective, nor may it be their desire. And that's where I think we kind of get stuck as parents because we think we know what we want for our kids and it's going to be great for them. And they just need to go versus helping them explore for themselves what they really want, whether it's a four-year degree college or not, so that when they go, they make the most of the investment of their time and potentially their money or our money that we've saved for them in whatever way is going to best help them to become the human being that they want to become. And that's what this book is about. It's not about saying, don't go to college. It's about how can we equip our children to determine for themselves what is their best pathway to a successful future that they want and how can we help them identify all those parts and pieces that go into that decision. Okay, next we have certified life coach Allison Katie from episode 180. And in this clip, Allison talks about allowing and accepting, quote, negative feelings. So a lot of times for me personally, if I'm tired, I will turn to food. Like if I have gotten a bad night's sleep, because what what am I, my four-year-old was up multiple times a couple nights ago. And I noticed I really want to turn to food during the day then because I'm tired. Um, when it's actually like, I probably just need to go relax or, um, I tend to be extrovert introvert. So I am very extroverted, but the way that I recharge is through being alone. So I'll always ask myself, like, what self-care do I need right now? Is it that I'm hungry or Mm -hmm. do I need to go down? You know, do I need just a 10 minute break by myself? Do I need a little bit of rest and relaxation? Now as moms, we don't always get that right. Like I can't always just like leave the room if stuff's happening, but I try to connect with what self-care. The other part is my brain tends to move really fast and I go in and out of feelings really quickly. So I really have to be intentional and mindful to pause again on my house can be really chaotic. Um, and I get really overwhelmed and I, the way that I handle that is shutting down and I'll just, yeah, turn to food and just like numb out. It's like, Oh, mommy needs a break. I'm going to go eat cheese and crackers over here, you know? Yeah. So I have had to really learn the practice of pausing. I literally stop and I'll ask myself, what am I feeling and where? 
So a lot of times like with overwhelm, I feel it like in my chest and like my heart's beating fast, but my stomach's kind of in knots. And I just want to like get out of it. Like, I just want peace. You know, for me, peace is like internally uh, calm, internally centered where things just feel natural. So when I'm overwhelmed, I have to really breathe through that. And so the two questions, like I said, are always like, what am I feeling and where? Mm-hmm. And I give myself a minute and I kind of just breathe through it. I kind of have to shut my eyes sometimes. And I just, but even just the identification of where in my body has really helped me because then it's like, oh, this is just a vibration. It's happening. Um, I see it a lot with my kid when my kids have negative feelings too, right? Like as moms, we, I think that we, don't want our kids to have negative feelings, but we're like, Oh, like, it's okay. Like be happy. This isn't a, like, I used to always say, this isn't a big deal. Right. Right. Oh, or, or what do we do when our kids are unhappy? We give them something to eat. Yes. Sure. Have yes. a, have a cookie. This will make you feel better. A hundred percent. I've had to really watch that because a lot of times what I want to do to celebrate or to make them feel better. Yeah. I was like, let's go get a cake pop from Starbucks. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Have a cookie. And I, because I can't feel my emotions that come up when they're feeling negative emotions, that's the first thing, but then Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not teaching them tools either. I'm teaching them to turn to food, right. To make them feel better. So it's been so fascinating on both facets of first, we have to be able to learn how to take care of our own emotions and be okay that our kids are having negative emotions, right? Like, cause what comes up for me is I'm like, Oh no, like, I don't want them to feel this way. Did I do something wrong? You know, like I have all these negative emotions. I don't know. A lot of mine are like, I don't know how to handle this. Right. And then they're trying to process and learn it too. And I'm teaching for a long time. I was just teaching them to buffer it. Like I, I used to tell mm-hmm. my girlfriends, do you know how many times I say it's not a big deal? a thousand times a day with my daughter. I'd be like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Cause I don't want her to feel anything. Right. And right. I was like, oh my gosh, she's having feelings. I'm just completely discounting them. And so it's been definitely a learning experience on all fronts. Finally, we're going to hear from Amy Kelly in episode 190. Amy's the host of the in the middle of it podcast. That's devoted to helping parents and teachers of middle school kids. In this clip, Amy talks about the most challenging aspect of raising middle school kids. People are drawn to what I do because they want to know how to fix their kids sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But the big secret is it's not about your kids as much as it is about managing yourself. Okay. Stop. Does everybody hear this? (laughs) What I've been saying (laughs) for the past 189 episodes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So tell us more. Okay. So it's about managing our expectations. That's where understanding what's developmentally appropriate is super helpful. It's about managing how we respond to anything that might trigger us. Um, It's about really being able to identify those areas where maybe we um, again, have unrealistic expectations, or maybe we're projecting something onto our kids rather than seeing them for who they are versus who we'd like for them to be, or, or maybe how we see ourselves, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And right. And so then for our kids, 
I would say all the things that are developmentally appropriate that they're walking through, it's all hard because they are really trying. It's their first, well, I I don't want to say it's their first attempt at kind of separating because I think that starts from the moment they're born, obviously, but But for middle schoolers, it's not just about separating physically. It's about thinking forward and really trying to become their own people in terms of values and in terms of what do they like and what do they not like? Who do they want to be? Who do they not want to be? And it's this process of practicing all those things in a really messy way to get them to adulthood, Mm -hmm. basically. And if what we're looking for as parents is just compliance and them doing and acting and believing exactly the way that we want them to, then what happens is later on when they get older and they get to be adults, then a lot of people hit a crisis point because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they believe and they don't know why they do the things that they do. And so they really have to kind of figure that out. And it's a much healthier thing to do. Mm-hmm. as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a teen, um, than it is as an adult. And I think with my experience, what I've seen, and I know you mentioned that um, some of your audience probably has younger kids. Mm-hmm. I think one message that I really try to get out there is that the sooner you can figure out great ways to connect with your people, with your kiddos, right? the easier it's going to be later on because for middle schoolers, the, the groundwork that we're laying, that you're laying with your, um, with your 12 year old, is that right? 12 year old Mm -hmm. right now is you're, you're going to, you're playing the long game. You're going to see that pay off when they're 16, 17, 18, when things really big things are going on that you want them to feel like they can come and talk to you about. Mm -hmm. And you want to have that open relationship you are creating the soil for that right now, for that to grow. Hopefully you've gotten a taste of what these incredible women have to offer. For links to each of their full episodes, visit today's show notes at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 203. Don't forget to leave a rating and review of the podcast for your chance to win a free book and sign up for your free mini session with me today. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.